Welcome to the Spiritual AF Life Podcast. I'm so happy that you are joining me on this beautiful Wednesday because I have a very special guest, Amy Lee, who is the founder, the creator of Dream Design. So it's really awesome. This conversation, I'm so happy that you're tuning in because we go over everything from COVID to healing traumas, and then we dive into her very specific dream design process that she actually created. And honestly, it's just so incredibly fascinating. And I just love how her puzzle pieces fit in with my beliefs and with, I know how it's going to fit in with yours. And I just want you to sit back, relax, even grab a paper and a pen and get ready because this is going to be so much fun. And I cannot wait for you to tell me what you think about this. So I'll put all the links for you to reach out to me in the show notes and to also reach out and to connect with Amy Lee. So are you ready? Let's get to the conversation now. Hi, Amy Lee. I am so happy that you were able to join me today. I'm so glad to be here. And I was just actually just talking to you too about how, I'm not sure how we actually met, but I just remember feeling so much powerful energy coming out of you. And when I went to your website, I'm like, no wonder that I felt this. So you actually are a, you created something called like a design dream, dream design coach, mm-hmm. dream design coaching. That is that I really want to get into, because I feel like that is something that is this. I feel like it's so unique and a lot of people have never even heard about this kind of concept. But before we dive into that, how about you? How did you get into like the spiritual side of things? Were you always this way? I, you know, I haven't really ever been asked that, but I would say I've kind of always had like an inkling that there was something bigger than we were. Um, I remember, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but when I was a little girl, you know, I knew, I knew about this idea of the Messiah and I always thought maybe I am the Messiah. Like I just thought, I always felt like I had this energy that was so connected. Um, and then, you know, growing up, my dad took us to like the crystal store. So like, I always knew all those things. And I, I don't necessarily think that I really started studying it until I got to be um, an adult. And um, it wasn't until I guess 2020, when I actually had my like awakening where I realized that I was psychic and all these crazy things like played out, like I predicted COVID by accident and all these crazy things happened that were just, it was, it was a whole, like a whole thing. Um, and now like two years later, I'm just now settling into what that looks like for my life and, and for my identity of being a person who has these gifts. I think we all have them, but I think I'm just really like kind of aware of mine at this point. Um, so yeah, I think it's always been there and I just never really embraced it or, or really cultivated it. Wow. That's, that's you, very similar to me because the same thing happened to me as soon as I realized, you know, um, years ago, not even that long ago, six years ago that I had gifts, quote gifts, right. Cause everyone does have them. Then I just took off running and it seems like the same thing happened for you. Now, was there one thing in particular, you know, in 2020 that opened you up? Was it the pandemic? Yeah. So in January of 2020, after the Super Bowl had happened, or maybe it was, yeah, I think it was January, the Super Bowl had happened. 
which it usually happens in February, but anyway, um, I remember there was like a, there was like a, a quarrel between the people that thought that the halftime show was women empowering women. And then there was the, there were people that were like, there, you know, this, this is exploitation. And I noticed that those two parties were not across party lines. It wasn't like Republicans and, you know, Democrats. It, it was like all of a sudden this new like group, they switched places. And I was like, I had this like thought that the shadow was like trying to avoid being integrated, right? So it was like, it was gonna just make people fight over anything. It was like right after everybody started standing their brooms up and then it was like anything we could fight about. So I got this download that basically said, if you think they're fighting now, there is something coming that is going to separate people. And I actually went live in my Facebook group when this happened, you can go back and watch it. And I literally captured this in January of 2020 and basically said, there's going to be a global event that is going to absolutely change everything because this shadow self does not want to be integrated. And lo and behold, end of, you know, middle of March, we were in the COVID thing. Wow. And for someone who hadn't been like, you know, necessarily like open or embracing their gifts to get that incredible download. And then I absolutely love that you actually have proof. So I definitely, I will be definitely like looking at that because I think it's so amazing when you can actually go back and, and uh, see. It's still mind blowing to me. <laughs> it, isn't it? And I just want to share with you and anyone else listening who doesn't remember, know this as well, because I didn't have anything that's as phenomenal as that happened. But right before, like in February of 2020, I wanted to open up my own office. I was looking at a storefront. I was looking at all of these things and I almost signed a lease and I felt like it wasn't right yet. So I'm like, I'm just going to get an office, you know, not a storefront. And then one, I just kept on getting like this feeling. I, I'm a really clairsentient. So I'm like, yes. And I remember my husband feeling like, Heather, you just have to do it. And I'm like, I know I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to sign it. And then nope, nope, nope. I kept on getting those signs, everything. And then I finally looked at my husband. I was like, Hey, I can't do it. I'm like, we need to wait a little while. I was like, something is happening that we don't understand yet. I, I was like, but spirits telling me no very loud right now. And then sure enough, look at what happened. So I think that is so incredible before we move on though. Why did you trust that? Because putting yourself out there, going live over something that, you know, later on could have been found out like, oh, there is nothing, right? So what gave you the courage to do that? So it's interesting you ask that because, you know, being claircognizant, I'm clairsentient too, but I'm definitely claircognizant. It's not, the thing about it is that it's a knowing, it's knowing, it's knowing the way you know your name, it's knowing the way you know your address, it's knowing the way you know what color the sky is. It's not maybe this is right. It comes to you with such a definition and an absolution that you don't have the luxury of wondering whether it's true or not. Like it's just there and it's just accepted. Like you don't, it's no, it, it's hard to really explain the feeling. Um, a couple of weeks before that, I, I told my husband, I was like, you know, I feel like I got these downloads of these like filing cabinets that got dropped off in the front hall of my brain and I had to sign for them, but I don't have the keys. And like, there's all these like thoughts that are in my head and I can't access them. Like they're, they're all locked. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks later that I just felt like all those filing cabinets flew open and all the papers were in the air and I'm trying to like in my head, like see what was written on them and all that. It was just such a mind blowing experience. 
Oh my gosh. That is such a cool way to put it. It's yeah. almost like, you know, that you got some kind of information. You can't put your finger on it just yet. So mm -hmm. that is like a really good way to describe that because I know a lot of my audience is claircognizance. But it's one of the most difficult clairs, if you will, to really like embrace and to even trust. Because I think especially because if you have like self issues, you know what I mean? Like if you don't trust yourself, you know, do you have any tips for maybe those who are claircognizant that don't have that trust in themselves yet? Yeah. So I actually grew up with a narcissistic parent. So because I grew up with narcissistic abuse, I literally was conditioned from a very short age to completely ignore my intuition. Like my intuition was my agendas. My intuition was because I had certain things I wanted and I was manipulative. In fact, when I was little, my dad called me Manipuli. Like that was my nickname, even though my name was Amy Lee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very traumatizing. So I had to teach myself over time. Um, and so what I would say to the claircognizance, it, the claircognizance, like those that identify that way, is that um, what it really comes down to is if you think it, it's real. Like your thoughts create a reality. Now you, and this is going more into dream design and what I do, you get to decide whether you inhabit that reality or not. So like when I do card readings in my Facebook group, I'm always, every single word sounds like a lie and it comes out and you're like, I'm making this up. Like I'm totally making this up. And then the person will say, oh my gosh, how did you know that? Like you think every single thing you're saying, you, you, your, your limbic brain doesn't have the ability to believe you, but that faith piece and that like, you know, that, that co-creative energy that you have, like as your higher self kind of just like pats you and goes, it's okay. It's okay. Just give it a minute, give it a minute. And so it's like so nerve wracking when I'm doing those lives and somebody's watching out there and I'm like, okay, this is what this card means. And this is what it's saying. And you know, the thing with claircognizance and clairsentience, the psychic power we have is seeing the, the current. We don't really see the future. I mean, we probably can, but it's that we can recognize what's going on right now. And that in and of itself is psychic, right? So these people will come and they'll like ask these questions and then you like tell them and then they go, how did you know? Like, I can't even believe, like, how would you know that that was and like the imagery that you pick and everything just resonates. And so what I would say to those people and, you know, yourself included, if that's part of you is just to trust, because if you think it, if it comes out, it came from somewhere. Yes. Oh my goodness. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. You're singing my tune. So I feel like you definitely hit on a lot of really, really good points because I especially know when I first started developing, it was, it hurt me more to get something, to get an intuitive hit and not say it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because then I started, you know, when you are just writing things down and you're too scared to say it out loud, but then you start realizing, wait a second, you know how awesome that would have been if I would have actually said it out loud, if they would have seen this, it would have increased your confidence, your, your strength in yourself. And then it also would have helped them become even more firm believers, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this is getting so good so fast. So you did bring up your dream design. So do you want to give us an overview of that? Like, what is that? Yeah. So dream design is all about, okay. So if you think about the creative process, there's manifesting, but then there's also that part where you decide what the heck it is you're going to manifest. And so if you've ever followed Bob Proctor, one of the things he loves to say all the time is what do you really want? Right. And so after hearing him say that like 10,000 times, I was like, I have no idea. 
So when you don't know what it is that you're trying to manifest, you're manifesting anyway. Manifestation just happens. So you're manifesting by default. So what we find is that a lot of people, you know, oh, I'm so great at manifesting. I manifested money and I manifested this career and this person and great, but none of that was actually what you wanted. So what I do is I really back in. And instead of just thinking about that masculine piece, which is the go get, make it happen manifestation we slip into that feminine um, ideal where it's all about the creative process. It's all about what do you truly desire? What are you actually trying to create? Because when I can get you to take the time to start walking yourself theoretically through your dream life, your brain now has a model for what that looks like. So that mental rehearsal can begin. Now you're starting to manifest the things you truly desire that are in alignment with your intuition, as opposed to what was on Pinterest, as opposed to what your neighbor down the street got. And now you're like, I want that, right? You know, the, the rank in the MLM that you're in, like, oh, I really want to be this. Why? Well, because that's the next thing. Okay, but why? So really getting people to be clear on truly, and, you know, also incorporating your human design into that and figuring out like, what does your dream look like? And how can I get you to slow down enough to design that for yourself a little bit at a time so you can start rehearsing it and then go, you know what? I just tried that, but that actually doesn't appeal to me. I don't really want to do that. Great. So let's switch it out. And the thing that's really powerful about this is that normally if you actually go and try new things, your ego goes, oh no, this is different. We're, we're uncomfortable. And it immediately takes you back, self-sabotages you and you're back at square one. When you do it from a visualization perspective, number one, you're collapsing those quantum possibilities, but two, you are not setting off that ego alarm because you are simply rehearsing it. So the more that you're able to rehearse it and perfect that vision, the more that manifestation comes sneaking up on you and you end up living your dream life. Wow. I love that because it's a shortcut that actually kind of cuts that ego part of it out. Oh, yeah. It makes it, yeah, it makes it so much easier. And I love that you have decided to devote your time to this too, because I'm not sure if you noticed this, but a lot of people that I have met, read, coach, they are all stuck in their masculine energy and they're not really embracing their feminine energy. And I feel like that's really one of the key points. And I feel like that's what you can really help them do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it just, it works so much faster and they become so activated by it that all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, like now, now that drive kicks in, right? Cause when you've got, so I'm going to give you an example that I would never um, advocate, but it's something that a lot of people in multi-level marketing do is that they get in and they message a bunch of people. Cause they're like, I really want to get to this rank. Right. But at the end of the day, they don't really care about that rank. They care about what they think it's going to represent. So what happens? They start to lose interest. They're like, you know, I don't really need it. Blah, blah, blah. Now let me change the, the, the terms and say, Hey, guess what? If you don't message all those people, your child isn't going to have life-saving medicine they'll be messaging everybody from here to Calcutta because the drive is there. So when we were, and by the way, I'm not advocating for anyone to do that. I never did that when I was in multi-level marketing. I made lots of money doing <laughs> multi-level marketing and I never did that. So I'm not advocating for cold messaging. I think it's gross, but I'm just saying, this is an example of something nobody really wants to do, but you change that accelerant, you change that driver. And now all of a sudden everybody, you know, you're up until 
dawn. I mean, you don't care. You know, you're, you're going to collect cans from your neighbor. All of that dignity of like, I don't want to be, you don't care. You put a GoFundMe out there when it's your kid, right? So the drive is what really matters. So when I can get people to connect to what they truly desire and the true drive, now all of those barriers are gone. All that self-sabotaging goes away because the payoff for what they're truly desiring is so much bigger than whatever it is that's keeping them stuck. Yes. And you really make it feel like it's possible for them Never. that it can actually be real. Do you think that's one of the, the points as well? Yeah. So if you think about it, if you think about the, the, the difference between impossible and possible, it's like here. Right. So a great example of this is Roger Bannister. Right. He wanted to run. He wanted to break the four minute mile. And, you know, everybody said that nobody could do that. The human body would explode. It's not possible. So when he broke the four minute mile, what happened two weeks later? Two other people did it. Right. Why? Because it was suddenly possible. And so the 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 distance between impossible and possible is huge. The distance between possible and inevitable is about this big, because Ooh. if you can do it, then you will do it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this. You should be like a motivational speaker. I need to have you on the stage and just come and bathe in your energy. And it kind of reminds me of something that I say a lot. And I say it mostly because of my husband, because he's always saying, oh, I need to win the lottery. Like, and I feel like he wants to manifest winning the lottery, but I keep on saying, I'm like, is it the lottery that you truly want to win? Because you can win the lottery and just win $5. Because I'm like, I feel that's not your goal. Your goal isn't to win your lottery. The goal is to be like financially abundant right would that be something as well do you have people coming in with like stories where it's like that's not really what they want it's really something else yeah but also you know part of that is about identity right so if you identify as a person who has problems with money who I mean I know people who've come into incredible amounts of wealth and then kind of lost it all and I know people who went from not having anything to suddenly building multi-seven figure businesses simply because they changed what their identity was so a great example of this is if you think about the um the story about the rich person versus the poor person rich people see money as a seed poor people see money as a fruit right so it's just a difference of identity. When you, you can get somebody to shift all of the tasks and the, and the traits in the world, but if they identify the same way they did before, they're going to fall back into those old ways. Why? Because that's who they are. So case in point, um, in the book, um, Atomic Habits, right? I'm sure you've read that one. And he talks about the smokers, right? You got two people that are trying to quit smoking. You say, you know, would you like a cigarette? One of them says, oh no, thanks. I'm trying to, trying to quit. The other one says, no, thanks. I don't smoke. Same exact thing, different identities. So going back to the example about the lottery, if you're a person who identifies as broke as a joke, it doesn't matter how much money you win. In fact, there was one day um, I was talking about, I helped a client manifest $10,000 in 10 minutes. And one of the comments in the thread was, oh my gosh, I could change my life with $10,000. And I remember thinking to myself and I, you know, apologizing later to the universe, like, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You'd go buy whatever and you and it would be gone because you, you still identify as a person where $10,000 is bigger than you, right? So you have to be able to change that identity. But that being said, going back to your original question, because I really wanted to touch on that part, um, yes, you do genuinely want the feeling. 
You don't, if I said to you, you know, hey, I'm not going to give you any money, but I'm going to give you the feeling of having all your bills paid. In fact, I'm going to pay all your bills. You don't get any of the cash. You're just never going to have to worry about it again, right? And anything you want, you can have. And you're going to have the emotions that make you feel like you're on top of the world. Do you need the money anymore? You don't, right? So when it comes down to it, you're truly seeking a feeling. No matter what it is that you want in life, you really just want the feeling that's attached to that thing. I'm still like uh, marinating this in my mind right now because it's like, I feel like some of this, like we have heard before, but I feel like, you know, for a lot of us, especially myself, it's like even making even more sense hearing it come out of your mouth, like right now. And, but one thing that I want to bring up or ask too, with your experience with everyone, have you noticed that some people are easy, they can manifest more easily than others? Have you noticed that? Or is that just becoming in the vibration? How would you describe that? I think some people believe that manifesting is easier. And so it's easier for them. I think some people see the thing is the universe is the great prover. It can only show you what you believe to be true. So if you believe that this stuff doesn't work and it's all crap and it's, you know, it's it's a scam, guess what? The universe goes, yep, you're right. It is. And it'll show you all the reasons why you're right. The universe can't contradict you. So I find that the clients that I mesh the best with are the ones that are like, I'm already there. Can you just show me how I got there? Oh my gosh. And okay. So I want to tell you a quick little story and then maybe give some tips. Cause I feel like it will help a lot of people that are listening. Like my husband, I feel is like an ultimate manifester. And I believe it's because he is just so set with his mind, with the way that he thinks. And one thing that he keeps on saying all the time, constantly is that whenever he gets in line, a whole bunch of people are behind him right? Every single time he gets in line, people get behind him and it annoys him. And I'm like, well, it's much better than the other way around, right? Like you keep on being the end of the line, at least you're in the front of the line. And I have tried so hard to get this man to see that he is like creating this. Cause I'm like, you are saying this over and over and over again, constantly every single day. Like I'm trying to do it myself now because I'm finding it myself on the, on the opposite end. So do you have any advice for those who are just really stuck in their frame of mind and they cannot get out? Like what is like a first step to get out of that cycle? Oh man. Well, okay. So I think the first thing when you're really, really stuck is you have to be open to the idea that this works. Mm. And if you're really stuck, chances are you're not there yet. Right. Because at least if you know, there's hope, then you're probably somewhat along the lines of like, okay, I'm ready and open to start entertaining this, whether it actually works for you or not, you're not there yet. But I think that anybody who's so stuck that they just don't even want to get involved. The best thing to do for them is to just do it around them, right. To let them see you and to let them watch it happen for you. I cannot tell you how many people come to me and say, Oh, my spouse isn't into this. They think it's crazy. And then three months in, they're like, yeah, she's watching the shows with me. She's doing the manifesting. Like, it's so amazing. He's totally coming to the Bob Proctor things with me, or he's, you know, whatever he's, you know, he's on board because they have to see it work for you first. And that there's nothing wrong with that. That's just their strategy for what they're willing to you know, maybe they've gone through situations where they've been scammed before or what have you. And so you, you just have to be sensitive to the idea that not everybody is going to be kind of like on that same page to start with and not take it personally. Oh, I love that too. It's almost like be the light, be the example. Oh, so now in the dream design, you talk about archetypes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, in the dream design archetype assessment, I actually have you go through four different scripts and then read each script and determine which of them most resonates with your dream day. And so depending on which script you resonate most with, I then have some action items for steps you can take, inspired actions to start moving you into alignment with that identity. So each of those four archetypes is just basically, I would say pretty much the the standard things that I hear all the time from people. And a lot of people will say, well, I'm kind of a combination of all of them. And then that's when I encourage you to go do a dream design intensive with me, where we'll actually look at your own board and I will help you pull out what does your true um, dream design look like. Ooh, I love this. And I just want to share this funny story. Because I think it's really funny and I'm not sure um, what your perspective would be on this, but I was designing my dream day because they say like, okay, you have to know what you want. So I was doing that. And finally, I just got irritated and I went up to my husband and I was like, you know, what? I was like, you are ruining my dream day because I want to be on the beach and I want to be able to run on the beach and you, I know you, and you're going to build like a fence around the beach area. I was like, and I'm not going to like that because I'm going to want it without the fence. And he didn't say anything, but then a few minutes later, he ended up coming up to me and he says, well, guess what? You ruined my dream day too, because my dream day would be looking at cars all day and having fun, you know, with guns and cars. And you would be probably complaining the whole time. (laughs) So, so does your dream day have to coincide with like your significant other? So the universe is never going to like get you divorced or anything like (laughs) that. It's never going to try to force out, you know, whatever your outcomes are, but you are meant to design your dream on your own. So what that looks like is that the person that's with you, you imagine in your vision, them going along with everything you want to do. When you try to match visions, it gets really, really messy. Like my husband and I have very different visions, right? But the universe will make it so that they fit together. Be it that, you know, I want to live by the ocean and he wants to live in the woods maybe we'll manifest two different houses and we'll spend some time at one and some time at the, you know, like, so you, you just have to trust that nothing is going to, everything that happens is for the good. And so nothing is, you're good. You're not going to like, people always say to me, wait, what if I, you know, if I manifest money and one of my relatives drops dead, that's not how that works. That doesn't happen. Like there's no push and pull. There's abundance. There's enough of everything. We live in this confined understanding of reality where we think if I pull this from over here, that's the only one and I'm taking it out of her mouth. But the truth is there are infinite realities and infinite cost quantum possibilities to exist in and taking from one, you know, take, taking from that field of possibility, there's always one more. Oh my gosh, you're so right. And as you were talking, I realized too, that what I'm doing is what I tell other people not to do all the time, which is try to figure out the how, right? How is this going to happen? How is this going to work? Where it's like, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's supposed to be, you keep your eye on where you want to be. You embrace that feeling and don't worry about how you're going to get there. You can take like the inspired action steps, right? But Mm -hmm. don't worry about the how spirit's going to take care of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mike Dooley in his book, um, Playing the Matrix, he says the destination forces the path, right? When you have your GPS on, you don't like put it in the GPS and then go, oh, it says to take a left and 
wait, I'm going south and that's north. Like, no, like down the road, you're going to take another, you know, you don't, you don't second guess it like that. You put the GPS in, you put your music on and you zone out until you get wherever you're going. And so that being said, you know, it's very like, it's very important that you let the universe do its job. I, I think that's awesome. I think so oftentimes we're trying to meddle in and I just keep on picturing like spirit, like we're toddlers, you know, you know, just making everything a mess and trying so hard to either control things or, you know, trying to figure out, right? And they're just like, if you would just stay still just long enough, it's almost like um, if anyone ever had a child and they're trying to put them in the, um, the car seat and they're like either throwing a fit or whatever. And it's like, you're trying to get them in. And that's how kind of how I'm seeing, like even myself, right now with spirit <laughs> oh this is so good so a couple of things too is that I see on your website too is that there was like a quote about giving so much more to everyone else than to ourselves mm-hmm. now well, how can we help that because so many of us just get in that habit of doing so much more for others not enough for ourselves do you have any tips for us yeah I think that it starts with acknowledging that you are your own child so you know, we have a tendency to think that we go last and that it's selfish to take care of ourselves, but there is a higher self inside of us. And then there's the human self and the higher self is the parent of the human self. So the higher self has to nurture that human self whenever there is like a deficit there. And so sometimes I'll just put my hand on my heart and be like, oh my gosh, Emily, you're amazing. Like you're so loving and kind. And I just want you to know that I adore you. And, and that's coming from source through me, right? Because I'm the only thing I can acknowledge. Like I'm in this reality, in this 3d reality, all I see is my three-dimensional self, all the other dimensions of me, I can't recognize in, in this capacity at this moment. So I have to rely on that guidance that's coming directly from there. So that's something that I have worked on a lot um, because, you know, it's amazing to me how we give other people a pass for everything. And the tiniest transgression that we've ever done we instantly cut off the flow of abundance because we feel like that makes us unworthy. We will forgive the most incredible crimes, the most horrible things. Other people deserve things, but as soon as it's us, we just completely shut down. And so I think that when we can start to recognize that, that we are our own parent, that we do have to nurture that us, that you know, if you imagine yourself showing up in your doorstep in the pouring rain with a little raincoat and you look at you from that outside, you know, say 10 years ago or when you were a child, if a child showed up in your doorstep and be like, oh my gosh, come in. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Like, can I get you a drink? Like, what can I do? But when it's us, we're like, oh, well, she probably, you know, flipped someone off or she probably <laughs> did this or, you know, and you start thinking of all the reasons why you don't deserve to come in. And so we have to change that programming and say, no, like I am still an incredible creation that is here to do good work. And I need to support that in myself first, and then my environment will come and support that for me. But it has to come from within. Yes. 
I think you hit the nail on the head there. It really has to come in first because it kind of brings up another topic too, which is like the mirroring, you know, people being your mirrors and then showing you. And if you are triggered, then you are, it's hitting a part of you that you haven't accepted. And I remember being triggered like constantly, like all of the time, you know, like, and I didn't even see it that way. But now anytime that I'm triggered, I'm like, oh man. I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't like this feeling. So I kind of think that that kind of goes hand in hand almost. I'm not sure. That's how I'm kind of perceiving it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they're very similar. I think that when it comes down to it, like we are our biggest critic, right? Like we're always going to be the person that notices every little nuance that we didn't do right. But at the same time, we also have an obligation to society, to the world, to create wholeness. And we can't do that if we're in a diminished state, right? So when it comes to thinking about, you know, people looking at each other and being triggered, that's an opportunity for healing or for growth. And so rather than looking at, you know, like one of the things I love to do is when I'm going through my newsfeed and my friends all have, you know, I had a hundred thousand dollar month and I had this, if I feel the tiniest trigger from that, then I just imagine that I'm reading it for me, right? And how would I feel if it was me? And it is me because we're all, you know, cosmically, you know, connected. It's, it's all a collective consciousness. And then sometimes I'll go, oh yeah, okay. Well, I'm really happy for her, you know? And it just kind of like calms that down. But again, it's all that programming that we started with that isn't necessarily even ours, right? It's been passed down generationally. It's been passed down, dimensionally all these different ways and we don't even know why we do the things we do anymore so you've heard the story of the monkeys right the monkeys in the cage have you heard that story oh I don't think I have yeah please let it yeah please tell it okay, to us so this is really good so you've got all these monkeys and they're sitting around on the floor or orangutans or whatever no probably monkeys because they need to be kind of viral you know be able to jump around and they put this ladder with a banana hanging from the ceiling of the cage so anytime a monkey would try to climb up the ladder they would spray all the monkeys with freezing cold water, okay? After a couple of times, any monkey that jumped even onto the first step, all the other monkeys would pull them down. So what do they do? They go and they take out one of the monkeys that was in there and they replace it with a monkey that doesn't, that's never been sprayed with water. Guess what happens? He starts to pull the other monkeys down and he doesn't even know why. By the time they got all the monkeys switched out, the monkeys that had been in the cage, none of them had actually ever been sprayed with water. And yet every single one of them was conditioned to pull the other monkey down, that fresh monkey, when he would try to grab the banana. Why? They didn't even know why they were doing it. That is so much of our programming. We have families that grew up you know, with parents who grew up during the Great Depression. So we have this intrinsic idea of scarcity that's been built into us. How many of us have parents who, I remember when I first started my business, my mom's like, oh, but what happens if you have a slow time? And I'm like, well, I don't know, I'll be fine. And she's like, you should really go get like a job at DoorDash or something. I'm like, mom, like, I'm not going to make $13 an hour when I charge $10,000 to coach people. Like, are you, like, are you crazy? But in her mind, I needed that sustainability. I needed that, you know, because in her world, that's how things were. Now I could, and a lot of people do prescribe to that reality and they stay stuck mm -hmm. like that, but I chose not to, or maybe I was chosen not to, who knows, 
And I broke out of that paradigm, right? So I said, I don't care why you guys are all pulling the monkey down. I want that damn banana. Yes. Oh, I love that too. Because I feel like many of us are trying to break that generational curse, if you will. Right. Because many of us did grow up with the um, the great, you know, the grandparents that, you know, survived the Great Depression and that kind of thing. So I know for me, my family was definitely that way and broke out of it, but still also breaking out of it because sometimes there is almost this feeling of guilt, like leaving them behind. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for that? Like when you are doing really good or you are opening up and getting abundant and you're maybe people around you aren't? Yeah, so I think I just remember that everybody's on their own journey, right? So the people who don't evolve to where we are now, that was never their journey. Their journey was to get us to where we are. I believe that the last generation was here to catalyze all of us, to drive us crazy, to give us all, you know, emotional issues so we could be these hypersensitive, empathic people to go into the next level. So I think that they were here to have an you know, an easier life themselves emotionally so that they could be those people to strengthen us. So we could then raise children who could become, you know, that next paradigm. I mean, I know for me, there are lots of things that happened to me in childhood that I will never do to my five children. Right. And so I am raising that, like my nine-year-old, she's always talking about, she's manifesting things, right? Like that's who she is. That's what she identifies with and rightfully so. And so I think that it's easy to think, oh, you know, I feel bad that, you know, but, but they don't feel bad. Energetically, they were here for that, right? That's what they were here for. They were here to create that easy time for us so that we could say, oh my gosh, like we need to man up because we've had it too easy. We have to be warriors again. And we have to fight for our freedom and our sovereignty again, because we got complacent. And so it's that cyclical thing. So I don't really think of it. I mean, yeah, there are definitely days I'm like, Oh my goodness. Okay. Whatever. Like, you know, the the whole, okay. Boomer thing, which by the way has happened to me and I'm not even 40 yet. So that's interesting. Um, but But yeah, like there are definitely days where I'm just like, oh my goodness. But I just remember they're not here for, they weren't here for that. You know, they fulfilled their purpose. And that's why a lot of them are leaving the world right now because they fulfilled their purpose. And now they're here to do the work on the other side. Wow. That like hits home like so hard too, because I've lost a lot of family members in the last couple of years and I know that they had played a role in my life, you know, including my mom, who I talk about all the time, but I was like, I am who I am because of her, because she was, you know what I mean? The not perfect person, kind of like what you're talking about. She played that role, like almost if, you know, how they say the diamond and how you have to like rough up a diamond, like that kind of thing. And now I'm seeing it and now I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really happy she's on the other side right now because I need that help from the other side. So anytime that someone passes away and transitions, I'm like, sweet, my team is building up there. So now I have less excuses. Um, and because I have lots more help on the other side to get done what I need to get done to spread that light, that love, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're so great at putting into words what I know that a lot of us are like feeling or thinking or have that sensation about. Good. Tell that to my copywriter. Cause sometimes she's like, okay, let's say it. I'm like, I can't. I don't know. <laughs> 
That is good. You know, I'll give you the transcript of this of this podcast. Should be able to use some of this stuff. So another thing that you talk about too is remembering who you are. So what is that about remembering who we are? Yeah. So my word for 2022 is reclaim. And I think that again, like we all have this illusion that we're these broken souls that have all these problems, but those are just like programs that are running. I mean, for example, do you know unequivocally for sure that any moment beyond the moment we're in right now exists? I mean, you think you do, you have memories that it does, but can you prove it? You really can't like theoretically everything that exists could just be a program, right? Everything that is around you could just be a program. So the only thing that is truly real is that moment. And that moment's already gone because we're in the next moment. You can't even distill it down to a moment. You're looking at like a hundred milli moments, right? So when you think about that and you know that you're here having this experience, remembering who you are is knowing how powerful you are to create your reality, how powerful you are to co-create this entire planet and this entire existence, and how integral you are in the mission to put the world consciousness back together, right? So if you think about um, consciousness as like um, when I when I was growing up, really popular thing was these Disney movie poster puzzles. And it was just this big puzzle. It was like this big, it fit like on your, you know, your whole dining room table. Um, but they had like the poster that went with it. So just imagine that the entire universe is a poster, right? What can you do with it? It's pretty, you could roll it up. I guess you could cut it, but then, you know, it's not a poster anymore. But what if I take that poster and I turn it into a jigsaw puzzle? Now, all of a sudden there's challenges there right? There's all these pieces. You've got to find this end piece. You've got to, where's that little piece of Ursula's face? Like you've got, you know, you've got all these different little stories. Somebody's working on Ariel. Somebody's over here working on the letters. Somebody saw this little tiny letter at the top. Oh, that means that goes up there. So to a person or people doing a puzzle, it's a challenge. It's like, oh, we got to put this puzzle back together. Well, source or you know whatever consciousness was was like this is boring this puzzle like this this poster let's turn it into a puzzle so when you look at it from the perspective that we're doing a puzzle it's like oh this is fun you know this is challenging my brain when we look at it in life we're like there's suffering over here there's death here there's this all of the it's it's so broken like the world is so broken but the putting it back together is the joy right because we don't go oh here's a puzzle and if you press this button, it all puts itself back together. Well, that's no fun, right? Mm -hmm. So the enjoyment is in putting it all back together. So my thing is about helping people recognize they're here to have the journey. It's not about getting the Lambo. It's not about getting the big house. It's not about, you know, all the money. Again, they say all the time, you can't take it with you, right? Because it's about the journey. So remembering that you're here to experience, remembering that you're here to step into the moment, to feel yourself in your body, to genuinely experience all that life has to offer, you need to remember that on a daily basis. Otherwise, you're always living in the future and anxiety and dread and fear, or you're living in the past and regret and anger. It's time to come back to the moment to step into the only place where we truly have power, which is now. Wow. Oh, this is so good. I was like, totally like, I was in a trance listening to you. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's probably came through. Cause I don't even know what I just said. 
Yes, I I felt like you were channeling for sure, because I, I felt a lot of like channeling so far, which is the questions that I've been asking you with spirit too so far. And I don't even know, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit speechless. <laughs> so thank you for that. Because I always, I always feel like we are just remembering who we are. And sometimes I'm not sure if you can relate, especially with you, like opening up just like two years ago with everything, you know, so much of like the spiritual things, people are like, Oh, where did you learn this? Where did you get that? And now I'm like, I feel like I'm just remembering it at this point. Like I have no idea how I have the knowing. Okay. Yes. Because it's like, okay, I read a lot of books, you know, I've taken some courses, all that jazz, but some of this stuff, I just, I just know it kind of like you said, a claircognizance. It's just, it's just like, you know, it. I feel like I'm just remembering you know, almost like a dream that I had like many years ago or something along those lines. It's kind of what it feels like sometimes when I pull out new information, that's kind of how it feels. It's like, oh, like I remember this in the distance and now I just know that it's real and it happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have, I want to do a couple of rapid fire questions. Like they're just like really quick, have a little bit of fun. So tarot or Oracle cards? Oracle cards. Yes. And I can see some of them too. And I recognize them because I have some of the same ones. So, okay. Amethyst or clear quartz? Clear. Ooh, clear quartz. Yes. And your dad was into crystals, which I think is so amazing. And clear quartz again. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You know, what's so funny before I met with you, I wrote down some of these and I put amethyst and then I was like, okay, or what crystal? And they told me to put clear quartz. So I wonder, cause they knew that you're a, a clear quartz lover. Deepak Chopra or Eckhart Tolle? I don't actually follow either one of them. I, both of them just kind of give me the weird ones. Yeah. So I think and, and give I, us one. Okay. So if I had to pick one, I would say Joe Dispenza. Joe Dispenza. Ooh, that's a good one. What about Esther Hicks? I love Esther Hicks. Mm-hmm. Ooh, no, now there you go. Now you have to choose one. And you got <laughs> to go meet one-on-one with them for an hour. Who would you choose? Probably Joe, just because I would love to just spar with him. I feel like he's like um like totally a mismatcher and he would try to like undo everything I was saying and I would get so much enjoyment like trying to like back and forth with him and catch him like um, contradicting himself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And his books too. Which is, what's just your favorite book? Do you like the break the habit of being yourself or? Um, I like that one. I like becoming supernatural. I, I really love him on rewired on Gaia. Do you have Gaia? Ooh, I have not seen that. So Gaia is like a Netflix for spirituality. And it's like, I think it's $99 a year or something like that. It's amazing. He's on there. There's a bunch of people like um, Belinda Womax on there. Um, just all of the people that I listen to. And there's incredible spirituality stuff on there. And it's like, you could just binge hours of it. I love it. Ooh. So no, I know Gaia, but what, he's on Rewired. Is that what it's called? Yeah, or there's he's a on show several things? called Rewired and it's just his show. Oh, that's just his show. Oh, that's so amazing too. So anyone who's listening who definitely likes the scientist's point of view, even a little bit of physics, it's so incredibly fascinating, Joe Dispenza's work. Okay, and the very last question, like what non-spiritual thing do you love to do? So when you're unwinding? Yeah, um, I play a lot of games on my phone, like a lot of computer games, like matching games and things like that. And I have five little kids, so I love (laughs) to hang out with them and snuggle. I'm a big snuggler. Oh, that's a good one. My son's 19. He, he doesn't really snuggle too much. <laughs> so, I miss those days. 
Well, thank you so much, Amy Lee, for talking with us. I can't even tell you what a joy this has been. I know that we have learned so much from you. But before we go, where can everyone find you? Yeah, so you can find me on amyleewesterbelt.com. There's lots of kind of fun things. And if you're on Facebook, you can find me in Dream Building Entrepreneurs, which I hope you will join. Um, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Oh, for sure. And I will definitely put all the links in the show notes just in case you need them. And thanks again, Amy. And thank you for everyone for listening. I will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.